You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 57 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here today with Lee Fields and our buddy Jay Desai. Guys, can you believe that this is episode 57? At what point do we stop talking about the number? Well, I don't know. We've had a we've had an uptick in our frequency lately, That's and true. I'm just excited about that. I so, know. This, uh, it feels like we just did 50. A it's really weeks like ago, episode and, five because I think I've only been on four or five. That's true. <laughs> it definitely got a lot better. Yeah, I got a lot better since you've been around. It's so. funnier, I hope. I'm sure. I don't. Well, we don't consider you a special guest. We consider you a frequent co-host. So you probably have dethroned Robert Scoville, Stan. But I, we can't put you in that category. You're just one of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I get it. Yeah. I totally get so, it. So um, how are those in-ears treating you? Man, I sent them back. Yeah? I did. Uh, they sounded unbelievable, but the fit wasn't um, great. It wasn't like the end of the world. So I just text the rep, and he was awesome. He literally was like, Sent me this form. Tell me exactly about him. He's like, we'll get him fixed. Turn him around super quick. So that's good. Super happy about the customer service and uh, the sound was unbelievable. Um, several people got a pair and everyone just was loving the way they sounded. That's awesome. Those that's are the A12s. Cool. Yeah, somewhere between driver nine and ten. It's my favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How's that crossover in the uh, low, low, mid, mid? One. Yeah, it's it's great. I think it's it's every every you know three feet is a crossover point, right? <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so just to give our listeners a little sort of behind the scenes about how we actually record this podcast, we finished a few minutes ago recording our interview with our special guests, and you guys are going to love that. But during that, Digico just made a new announcement of some new gear, and so I thought it'd be fun to just give a real-time sort of live reaction to this link that Kyle McMahon, our buddy from Digico, just sent me, which is their new Quantum 225 digital mixing console. Bum, bum, so it, it's in line with the 338 and the Quantum 5 that came out last year, and now they have a smaller form factor Quantum console that looks pretty stinking great. Okay, I'm, I just clicked the link. So this this really is like live reaction. haven't seen it's it like, yet. Real time, yeah. yeah. Does that screen come out? I think it pops out a little bit. Yeah, that's really cool. So guys, go to digico.biz and look up the Quantum 225, and you can follow along with our talking about it. But 72 inputs, 36 groups, buses, auxes, um, 12 by 12 matrix. So it's it's similar, I think, in, in form and size to a SD12. Yeah, now, with the new software, you can do SD1296, which gives you 96 channels. So this is 72 channels like the SD12 used to be, but with the quantum engine. So that's very cool. I really like that screen. 17-inch screen with a meter bridge. Um, that's very cool. Where do you think I charge my phone on it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's and then, of question. course, they support all the DMI cards, so you can do you can do Clang. And the fact that they have a Clang card now, and you don't have to use external Clang hardware, is a great thing. But they've got all the other DMI cards: Avion, Dante, Maddie. What is um, Hydra? Waves. Who uses Hydra? Uh, we need well, to find out what that is. I've heard, I've been hearing about this. Oh, it's Callrec. Uh, oh yeah, because okay. 48k. So that's a video. Yeah. That's a broadcast video card. Well, that's cool. Correct. Um, cool. Look at the high res pictures below. If you keep scrolling uh -huh. down about halfway through, that monitor is removable. No, say it's not so. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they've got they got a laptop stand. Is that? Mm. Do you keep going to the right? You can put your. Right, so it's a it's a like a Vesa mount monitor stand because right. it's got like a controller. No, that's cool. I guess they got the Clang controller on there, so it's open and you put on there what you want. It sounds like so it's really only one screen. I think that's right. That's kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, I mean, is it though? Because is it a bummer though? I don't know. SD twelve feels like it's above this in the order more yeah. I/O, and it's got two screens. So this would be like yeah, that makes sense. This would be like an SD nine, SD eight replacement, maybe. Maybe that's awesome. I mean, having that other screen. Gosh, if you were doing broadcast or doing something different, having your multi view over there would be kind of rad. We should have Kyle on and let him tell us what we're not. Okay, so for those of us who didn't get just sucked into the pictures, if you actually read the text, which I just did, (laughs) it says, um, it says, the defining feature of the Quantum 225 is the ability to customize the left work surface with the mounting bracket. You can mount a laptop or a Clang controller or an extra screen to show your Clang app, plug-in computer, console overview screen, or it could even display the channel screen of your left bank of faders, transforming the console into a dual screen at an unbelievable price point. Okay, so it's basically just a way for you to add another screen that can be any number of different things. Yeah, so I kind of like that. I'm guessing price point, this falls under SD12 above SD9. Yeah. Now you can watch Netflix on the left screen during the sermon. And not feel weird about it. And those, that's true. A lot of us did that anyway. 72 input channels, the way Digico does this, those can be stereo also. Correct. Right? So it's not just 72 paths. It's 72 channels. channels. And they can be stereo. So it could be 144. Yeah, because it says you can do up to 155 EQs. Mm Mm-hmm. 155 dynamic EQs. That's cool. All right. Well, you guys who are listening, you need to dig in further. If you're looking for a console upgrade, especially if you're in the Digico ecosystem already, this might be a great addition to your stable. It is. It's probably perfect for churches. I mean, the churches, I've been thinking about this, like helping churches transition consoles. Like we see this question a lot, but we never talk about it. So yeah, the, the two big ones are, Okay, we have an X32 or M32. We're ready for a bigger console, but we don't want to spend $30,000. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the $15,000, $20,000 console? And then the other one is, we have a CL5, so they've got the $20,000, $30,000 setup, and they want to go a step up, but they don't want to spend $100. They They want to spend $50, $60, $70. Like, this could be a perfect... Hey, we've been using a SQ something. Here's the Quantum Two Two Five. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna That's, get off the. I'm gonna get off its page because now I'm just reading. I know. I know. Now, yeah, we're doing a podcast, so I totally uh, just spaced out on that. We need to change our podcast time um, for the ones I'm on, at least, because uh, it's always at lunchtime, and I never. Yeah. Commit. <laughs> That's true. I'm starving right now. We started this at noon Eastern for you guys. Yeah. And it is one thirty now that we've been on. I don't know if you've seen yeah, I don't know if you've seen me, I'll famish. <laughs> yeah, you might you might shrivel up and die. And I'm cooking a brisket outside right now as we are recording and it's making me more hungry too. So Well, nine AM's perfect for me. So <laughs> So we've just got to get with the program. That's right. I think so. It's like not too early to have a mimosa. But also not late enough that you shouldn't. Uh, I didn't know there were time constraints to such activities, <laughs> especially on Fridays. Yeah. I didn't have mimosa today. It's it Friday. Like, you ain't got no job. Ain't Starbucks. got nothing to do. I can't. <laughs> hey, so we uh, are finalizing plans to shoot video content for MXU Now and MXU Teams. Yes, I cannot wait. It's actually coming up in a couple weeks. We're going to be at Elevation recording some video content about video man i like that zach over there he's a nice fella dude let me tell you something about those guys zach is an amazing guy we haven't known andy that long but andy who runs production across all their campuses these guys are so generous like it's always cool when you see churches doing great things with technology pushing the envelope you know setting the bar well these guys attitudes and character set the bar also so we have a call Absolutely. with them just thinking, 
they're going to let us use their space. Like we'll bring everything. We'll supply all of our own gear. The things that they're doing for us to make life easier, it's just phenomenal in the middle of Elevation's work week, pre-recording this student events in the main auditorium, you know, gigantic weekend services. They're bending over backwards. I can't wait to go. We're taking a crew too. So we're talking Rusty, talking to Chad, a bunch of guys to come help do these videos. Jeremy from Ross is going to be there. Jay, you should come hang out. Uh, yeah, well, it's four hours from me, so I don't know. That's My true. ankle bracelet's a little, <laughs> little weird these days. Huh? <laughs> anyway, so all that to say, what I'm most excited about is our training content on Now and Teams will now be completely rounded out. So we're going to have audio, video, and lighting all on there very soon. Freaking stoked about it. What what is the plan after that? I don't know. Well, you know, maybe maybe we do preaching, uh, like preaching classes. Definitely not. There's nothing you can say to a preacher to make them think they're not already the greatest communicator in the world. <laughs> Heard that? <laughs> nothing. Well, the other thing that we're really excited about, and we we hinted at it last time, but we're getting more and more details together on the MXU tour, which is coming in the fall. So we're going to announce specific cities and dates coming soon. Just know that I don't know that I've been more excited about a live event since we first started because of the places we're going to be and the people we're going to have and just the fact that we're all just so hungry to get out and get with people again that it's going to be a blast. Hey, if the bands can't go back on tour, the front of house guys will. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? <laughs> and Jay's coming. You're hosting every one of them. Yeah, yeah some of us are Front of house and monitor guys, Lee. Don't forget, some of us do. What's that? What's like a monitor? <laughs> it's it's this thing you do when you're 16 and hopefully grow out of it. <laughs> Dude, I have actually had people DM me offended when we crack jokes about monitors. Oh, there used wow. to be a bumper sticker, and I'm not. I have it. I I don't remember what company, but his friends don't let friends mix monitors. Yeah. Yep. So it's the where I first saw it was in the in the front of house area at the Nokia. We used to be Nokia. Then it was Verizon. Now it's whatever in Grand Prairie, uh, the big theater yep. where we had Passion a couple years ago. Yeah. It's in their front of house pit, and it's a bumper sticker that says, Friends Don't Let Friends Mix Monitors. And I had to get one. I love it. We like monitor guys. We I do am. like monitor we guys. Um, we got a joke about something. Yeah, well, we could joke about how you've never mixed monitors. I have. Okay. So <laughs> you me, said last time five times in your life. I think so. Four of those were filling in for Zito. He had to leave a tour early. How do you fill in for Zito? That's an impossible task. This was in 2006 before Zito <laughs> was Zito. No, he was Zito then too. This was Cutlass before oh, I was mixing front of house for them. I was mixing one of the openers. He had to leave a tour early to go do Backstreet Boys or something. And he's like, hey, I'm going to miss these last four shows. Can you do monitors? So you've actually pushed a case and you've run monitors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to do like actual work. Learning things every day about Lee Fields. I love it. And then I've done monitors once at Bayside in the almost 11 years I've been on staff. Someone didn't show up and you got thrown in. It was before we hired Aaron. I didn't have a choice. (laughs) <laughs> the band has never been less happy, and Aaron never had better job security. <laughs> no. So, like, we've had a couple times where, like, you know, we're moving consoles around or shifting stuff, and monitors has been from front of house. And everybody knows if I'm at the console and they need monitor changes, it's, like, funny now. So, I have done wonders with this. So, when people see me and they need a monitor change, it's here's how it goes. Um, Lee, would it be okay... If maybe you could like <laughs> turn that guitar down about 20 dB so I can hear anything else. And I'll say, uh, yeah, let me, uh, give me just a couple minutes to do that. Let me call Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I don't and know then, how to pan in this mode. Then picture this, you're on stage looking back at the front of house guy and he's making giant movements with his hand really slow. Cause he doesn't know what he's doing. So then I'll go and click this one <laughs> That's and so then, good. then flip the fader. <laughs> And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to move it. Tell me if this works. And then I'll turn it down. And be like, Just super slow. Go super movements. slow. Is that okay? 
They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can tell they're all like, okay, just leave this guy alone. (laughs) (laughs) Set the bar low, you know? Totally. I I, uh, one Sunday gave... I'll, I'll name leave the church and place and all that nameless. But I walked in and gave everyone four quarters, and said, "When when you a monitor changes a quarter, costs twenty five cents, and when you're out, <laughs> then you owe me." And it was amazing how little changes I had to make. Fastest sound check ever. Well, I knew my mixes were decent and good, and we needed to to just get on with it. So you didn't need somebody to pan your hi hat to like. 138. Oh, I had my AR 15 at the console too, so that might have had something to do with it. But either way, there were not a lot of changes that Sunday. So I did something similar at an Applebee's in Vacaville, California. You were mixing at an Applebee's? No. Uh, I was with some (laughs) friends. I think we were on our way to see a baseball game. And I had heard of someone doing this and I thought I would do it. I just didn't realize how, uh, like, much of a jerk this jerk move this was. Server comes up to the table. She greets everyone, takes her drink orders. And I say, hey, there's maybe four or five of us. I said, hey, we're going to play a little game. And I put $20 on the table. It was like a five, some ones, and a 10 maybe. And I said, all of this is your tip. But every time you make a mistake, I get to take one of these back. Oh, my gosh. And she did not like that. That is pretty rude there, brother. Isn't it rude? I thought, oh, this would be fun. That was very rude. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't ever play with someone's livelihood like that. No, I was like 25 years old. So, yeah, well, we were all young and stupid at one point. Still there. I'm not young as much. All right. So, I am really excited about our guest today. We have two people who are joining us. Um, and it's cool because they're coming to us from a completely different perspective than what we usually get. So, today we're going to interview Pat Barrett and Matt Marr, who are both incredible worship leaders in their own right. And as you will hear, they both have very different perspectives on gear and technology and production based on their personal experience. So um, I love this conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's pretty cool. We don't often have uh, songwriters with number one records. And both of these guys are some of the top worship writers over the last 20 years. And Jay, you were in Pat's wedding. Yeah, Pat's my old roommate. Matt and I have toured together. Yeah, way, way back. They're both gems of humans. Yeah, gems. And technically could not be opposite. Couldn't be more different. Right. It was a, uh, we had to tell Pat how to put his headphones on. And then Matt Marr and I were uh, at Pensado's place together. He was a guest there a couple of years ago, and I happened to be in town. So we hung out while he was there. So, and Matt did a bunch of tour dates with Tomlin back in the day when I was there. And Pat was a part of several of Chris's worship nights in America that I've been a part of in the last few years. And But to, to his fame, though, he is the son of the silent shofar player. That's true. This is true. Which, if you haven't seen that video, we will make that possible for you to see Pat's dad and the shofar failure. Yes. All right, let's get to it. Well, I'm so excited about this interview today. We have two guests that we wouldn't normally have on the MXU podcast because they're coming to us from the musician side of the snake generally. So we're joined today by Pat Barrett and Matt Marr, and we also have Jay Desai with us. And so we're just going to talk gear and musician and that relationship a little bit. And I don't know what we're going to talk about. but we're gonna- Well, let's start with Pat being high-tech today. Yeah. Pat, tell us what you're using. Right now, I'm using what they call a SM7 blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I needed to get a nice mic for for some podcasts and some liners, and I didn't know what to get, and someone sent me a link. Matt Geis, some of y'all know him. We know Matt. He said, buy this, yep. and I bought that. I'm, I'm, a pretty, I'm pretty obedient when it comes to technology, because it all scares me. That's awesome. And uh, that's why I sound great, and all y'all don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you can see, but I'm wearing a countryman. I wow, look at that. that. So is Jeff. Yeah, we, mine, you know, against my white man face, you can see it pretty in stark relief. But Jay, yours, yours blends in with your, your hair and your ethnicity, and you've got it going on. Mine's cocoa colored. I had it color matched. 
I understand. <laughs> is that is that with Sherman Williams? <laughs> yes. I went to Sherman Williams and got paint chips till it figured it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it's great. For uh, for our, our lovely listeners at home don't know, Pat and I have a, a long, deep history. Um, I tell people I raised him like my own. Which is a lie. Which is not from true. the enemy. <laughs> but we are old roommates. And oh, yeah. Was, and mu- and musically you guys have a long history too. Um yeah, Pat, and I Pat and I have played at his dad's church a lot together. Oh, that's awesome. Have you played the shofar at his dad's church? No, but hey, these guys have seen <laughs> that video, Pat. I sent it to him last week. Matt, I'm gonna send you this video of uh Pat's mom streamed church live last week. Yeah, and, thank goodness she uh, Marty Sorry, Jeff, I totally cut you off. But Marty uh, went to blow the shofar out the emergency exit door. <laughs> and 30 seconds in, he can't get it going. So he just turns around and goes, da, 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 da. <laughs> that, that's amazing. I think that's actually a, it's, it's a good segue to talk about what happens when technology doesn't work. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. Right. We have to improvise. That's right. So unlike Pat, you know, Matt, I know that you love gear and are kind of a gear head. In fact, your your home studio is home to a lot of friends of ours who are doing work um, out of that place. You and our friend Christian Pascal and Matt Gilder and others are doing a lot of work there um, since COVID especially. So um, just talk for a bit about kind of the pivot in that in that regard from, you know, I know you did a lot of, a lot of production to begin with, but since not being able to tour, how, how have things changed for you this year? Well, it's been a lot of learning through failure, honestly. And, um, and my appreciation, uh, for the production side of things and the audiovisual, the technical side of things and the amount of work and expertise that's involved has just only skyrocketed. Um, I'm realizing that a good, like that a good crew person who is both knowledgeable and efficient and, um, and enjoys people is like, it's like finding a contractor who can talk. It, it, it's a, it's, it's so important and you should do everything that you can within your power to keep them on your team. So, you know, I, I had a home studio, it was kind of like a writing studio. Um, I've made records there. Other people have gear there. It's become kind of like a co-op, almost like a shared like creativity spot. When COVID hit, I um, I got a bunch of streaming broadcast gear and um, was gonna like, all right, I'm gonna start a weekly. I'm gonna start streaming shows every week. And but you know the reality is is that you like I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, it's stuff that I never thought about before. I never cared about camera angles. I never cared about like proximity of people. It's just that stuff was never, I just always focused on music and like songwriting. Um, so yeah, we've, um, I filmed probably, I mean, I've probably filmed, I don't know, 10 or 12 concerts ranging from like full band to like stuff with a string quartet. Um, uh, I've used, you know, everything from an iPhone to like a five camera shoot with a switcher. Um, wow. and at the end of the day, I kind of go back, you, you know, you kind of fall back to what you know and what you can control, which is sort of like one person with an instrument, uh, performing a song in a way that's believable and makes you feel something is still the most important thing that I can do. However, um, it, uh, my appreciation and, uh, like my love for the production side of things has definitely increased. So yeah, now I have a studio and I've been producing, um, I'm producing, uh, just finished up wrapping up two tracks for an artist, uh, called we are messengers. And then I'm producing the full length record in March for, um, a band, uh, like a worship collective. And then, Church of the City Film Services at my place too. Oh, so that's they were great. they were recording uh content and uh so yeah, it kind of turned into like a weird version of Daryl's house. <laughs> yeah. Pat, not your not your mom, Daryl, Pat. Not my mom. 
I just love that my family's all over this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Amazing. Well, it's cool that yes. you've that you've had to take stuff that you never really. I mean, not that you didn't care about it, but you just never knew. No. like what was I, required I, to pull off some of this stuff. And you know, we've said before, necessity is a real mother. I mean, you've had to, you've had to be forced into some of these things, but you've you've yeah. done great with it, and that's really cool. But I love that idea of. Because I've said it for years, even back in the studio days, um, a good song is a good song is a good song. And so yep. if I if I can't hear the artist with their acoustic guitar playing a song and have it be as effective as a song as it would be fully produced, then it's probably not yep. worth recording in the first place. So yep. spend a few more minutes talking about that. Like, Pat, from your perspective, how in your process and in your just production stuff lately. You've got a new record coming out too. So like, what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I have the same sentiment that Matt has, like my appreciation for the expertise of audio guys and video guys. Like I can't, I feel so inept when it comes to that, to the point where, (laughs) I mean, I went into Best Buy four days ago and I bought a vlogging kit because I knew, <laughs> and I felt I literally I set it on the counter and I felt like the humiliation I didn't just feel it like outwardly I felt it like in my metabolism I was, I was, I was so just like this is where we're at I have what a you, vlogging kit what are you going to circle do light I'm going to vlog. What do you think I'm going to do? I, it's, I mean, it's mainly for the short little, like, you know, v- video shout out things you have to do every now and then. Like, because touring is not happening, the ability to just sing a song and in front of your camera and have it not look as bad, it's still going to look bad. It's, it's going to be the worst thing you've ever seen, but you'll be, but you'll be able to see me because of the light. Um, the circle light. Hey, I've got a circle light shining on me right see, now. It, and it you makes look, a difference. I don't need. I don't need it. I got God's glory right there coming yeah, out. You do have it <laughs> So, I mean, on my side of things, like I, I rely so heavily on even for someone to help me make a demo that sounds great. I, I don't even go down that route. I remember Matt writing with you and your ability to. <laughs> to actually track a demo that sounded amazing just blew my mind. Cause I don't even have that baseline of working knowledge. I have voice memos on my iPhone and that is what I send to the label. And they're, and they're, they're so distorted cause he's they, so close. I'm so close. <laughs> Literally my, my song feedback is like, now I think I like the song, but I can't hear the words. Um, I'm like, trust me. It's great. <laughs> So I think I think that on that side of it, like the only thing in my life that's changed since touring has stopped, my my uh, my expertise has not gone up, but my baseline has a little bit. Where um, I still, if I'm tracking anything or working on a song, I need a producer to build it out. I need someone to set the gains on a mic. I need. Um, I, I'm, I suppose I could learn that, but I'm looking right now at a screen with guys who just would do so much better than I would. <laughs> well, you you also grew up low tech. We could uh, not to bring your father back into this, but your dad's church. Uh, I remember running sound at your dad's church in in my mid twenties, and uh, someone going. Uh, telling me, don't turn the microwave on because it will flip the breaker that the soundboard's on. It's true. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> that's n- that is not a lie. That's like dead honest. Like sound would go out, and my grandmother would yell, "Is someone using the microwave?" <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so, also, okay, killed the PA. <laughs> it, it is also uh, it is also a BYOP church. Bring your own percussion, and have you forget. <laughs> There is a basket that you can dance down to down front and pick up whatever um, you want. I remember. I mean, gra- okay. Grandfather used to play far, bongos. This is true. That this is how far I've gone from that time in my life where Jay and I would have, I mean, just blowout arguments about how important is production or not. 
Lighting was I, a, a ultra focus for you at that time. Oh, I well, this is what I felt like, and and I look back at me being naive and and also experiencing production in a way that enhanced something that was already great and not like it wasn't and you didn't have to lean on it as it was a necessity exactly what we just talked about when you i felt like i had so many experiences where production was almost like a higher value than the actual content that it turned me off from it and i grew up Mm. with zero production and just like all heart. We're talking yelling fights, like not like <laughs> yeah. fist fights, but we would yell at each other about production and why we needed it and why we didn't need it. Christian Christian was generally a referee and voice of reason <laughs> yeah. in a lot of it. Well, young twenties. Well, but but I understand I understand that though from your heritage because you grew up in that environment that was low tech, but had great heart behind the content you know your dad is a great pastor and a great teacher and so it's like that makes sense to me and even for you matt i'd love to hear some of your story because with your with your catholic heritage that's historically pretty low production um and then and then well they build buildings right you can just say what you want at the front and it carries the whole way that's true the acoustics are a different a different a different deal but even with like some of the life teen stuff in the Catholic Church and some of the the things that are more modern worship focused it, it was still quite a different path than somebody today who grew up in sort of a high production mega church so just talk about that journey for from your perspective a little bit well I, like I grew up in Newfoundland Canada and so I uh, I lived there for 20 years born and raised and I remember like my mom sang in church choir and there was no the only PA was literally a public address system and in most Catholic churches still that's kind of the case so like yeah. a church will they'll do a capital campaign they'll raise all this money to build this brand new facility and they'll make it and it'll be really pretty and it, like what Jay said they kind of they approach it from this aesthetic of like well let's Let's just build it so that the human voice can carry. But what they don't think about is that um, readers don't all have the same voice, right? So they read the Bible, like scripture gets read and you change out the lectors. Uh, whoever's like celebrating the mass, like the, the presider, the preacher, the celebrant, the priest, his voice changes. And so what acoustics and what sound tell us is that like, that's why you need a public address system. Uh, and then, but the problem is, is that you've built a building designed for echo and then you throw a giant PA inside of it. So it just, it can create a real, it can create a real disaster. So I think for me, like I kind of, my, it's the same thing with Pat, like my whole journey of faith has always been when it came to worship, it always <laughs> learning to kind of make do with what it is. Like I remember leading, uh, playing in a Bible study and rolling a projector across the church parking lot, like with the bulb, not wanting to break the bulb because I was using transparencies in like, like an overhead, time. like an overhead, like an, projector. Oh, like an actual overhead projector, <laughs> like typing out song lyrics. This is 2002, like typing out song lyrics in the Microsoft word and printing them onto transparencies. And so I think it's, it, it was really interesting for me, like just even as I started touring and like stepping more into like a, a kind of the world of, you know, modern, the modern mega church kind of being blown away, you know? And I remember the first time in our church, like we got a Mackie console and we thought this is the most exciting thing ever. And in some ways I wonder if there should be, there always should be kind of like in this particular world of church production, there's always going to be a bit of a tension because the production isn't the point, right? And it's the same thing with music. Like great production shouldn't be the point. It's really to accentuate whatever experience or whatever show it is that you're watching. Like I, I even think about like the first time I went to Vegas and I watched like uh, Cirque du Soleil, I watched Ka. It's like the amount, the intri- like the intricacy of production, the amount of cues being called, the amount of like the amount of lighting cues, the amount of audio cues, um, the the choreography all of it is just unbelievably incredible but when it's done really well it's like you don't even notice it yeah and so i think for me it's interesting because i do i do wish 
that more churches did ask the question, how can we do this side better? Because it does, you know, it does make an impact. Even the church that I'm going to, the Catholic church that I go to now in Nashville, um, the, the pastor's a great guy. And he finally was like, listen, I need your help. And I was like, why? And he goes, well, Saturday nights at the Saturday night service, for some reason, when someone goes up to read every other time, it picks up like a local uh, mariachi station. <laughs> <laughs> so someone will be reading or reading and all of a sudden you just hear I'd get hungry for cheese dip right away. And we, and so we, we spent like, I, I got two guys in with me who are more normally road guys and we spent two weeks and we finally figured out it's probably some unshielded cable underground running the length of the church that just didn't get installed properly or it it was old shielding in it. You know what I mean? So it's like it, but trying to get people to understand now that everything that we do gets filtered through technology. And the goal of it isn't the technology. The goal is how does this help us do what we're doing to the best of our ability? Yeah. In some ways COVID has helped that because like the culprits are always lighting right? It's like, can you chill out the lighting? Like, Pat, so you were onto something when you didn't want to have lights. <laughs> you were ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But with COVID and video and churches pre-recording, you couldn't have 20 cues and strobes and gobos flying everywhere on video. It looks terrible. Like, it just feels unnatural. Yeah. yeah. So now the lighting cues for churches recording, it's like, this song is this color. This song is this color. So it, like it went totally opposite. So in in that way, I was actually happy to see people thinking about, well, the the content is way more important than how many lighting cues we have. Like, what's this song speaking to? And, and what should it look like? And what should it feel like to support that? So for the first time ever, it took a pandemic for lighting guys to uh, put their egos aside. But just, just kidding, <laughs> lighting guys, shots fired. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a question, which I I've never really talked to this about somebody, but there was the one thing about the shutdowns that made me sad for churches is that all of a sudden there was some immediate pressure to broadcast what you were doing and, and not just, and, and host like a, almost like a TV show yeah. or something. Like I watched that. I feel like several times where um, that, that made me like, gosh, I don't know this is why I'm asking the question. Is that all good? Should everyone have to do that? Is that baseline? Is that a necessity for everybody or is it okay to not, to not go down that route? Especially I'm I'm thinking for smaller churches with older congregations. And I'll give you a a real quick um, story of what happened to us. And this happened to us exactly what you're talking about. So we're a really big church. And when COVID happened, we saw it as, Now's our opportunity to tell the story of our church across the world. Now our audience can grow exponentially. So we put a bunch of resources behind it. We changed the way we were shooting. We moved to a more of a television set, like all that happened. And views the first few weeks for every church around the world went up 10x, right? Because now everyone was going to church every weekend. And then after Easter, we saw it just like go straight down, like really far down. And then nationally, it went to about 30% of what attendance was before church. That's all people were watching online. And then we realized that about June or July, people just missed church and missed the building. So we just started filming it in the room with no one in the seats and showing the room. And then viewing went back up. And it's like, oh, they just want to go to church. Like, let's not try and be the Stephen Furtick's and Brian Houston's like, that's their lane. That's for them. Like, let's start ministering to our people in our town and give them what they actually need for their church. And it changed everything for us. So I think what you're saying is for some people, yeah, it might've been good, but it was a distraction for us. The opportunity to go to millions of people distracted us from ministering to our thousands in our city. And the other thing, Pat, that I would say is, especially to your point about the older congregations or the more traditional less production focused places you know if if any of them felt the pressure to get on facebook for example and they ended up not being able to do it well 
you know, part of what we've tried to do is to resource people on how to get better at that. But there are some that just, it's, it's, just, it's still just kind of terrible. So I would say to them, what are you doing in terms of community and face to, whenever you can have face-to-face engagement to serve the people in your congregation in a way that makes them feel like they're still a part of your ministry? And then if you need to send them online somewhere else to get the, the worship experience or somewhere, don't be afraid to do that because if you're not able to provide it, there are a lot of other people doing it really well. So why not focus your efforts on how to meet your people you know, and meet their needs where they are? Yeah, I would say that definitely like, like being part of two churches, like Church of the City downtown um, has had to, as a result of COVID, start streaming. And then in January, we moved into Rocket Town. Um, and so we're leasing that building. But it, um, they finally just got like a, a camera kit and stuff in January after basically six months of figuring out, okay, what makes sense for us, not just short term, but long term. And like, so, but then like the Catholic parish that I'm part of, they bought a Mevo. Right. I think that's what it's called. It's literally just like a little, that little tracking camera and, and one service a weekend they're filming and they're saying to people, Hey, you know, uh, cause both of those are back in person, but severely reduced with numbers. But I think for like the Catholic parish, they just said, look, this is not something long-term that we're going to pour a ton of money and resources into because the whole, uh, just from like a, an aesthetic standpoint, like the whole idea of liturgy and, Mm-hmm. you know, using elements and that kind of more like traditional ordered service. It's like, the point is to be there. Like right. it, it's a, it's an incarnated kind of thing. You just, yeah. you, so, so I think they were like, what's the minimum that we can do. And I think it was a lot of questions of like, of how do we do this? The, the least amount of well, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that we're, so that we're not turning people away because I think, you know, and I think Pat makes a great point. It's like church isn't a TV show and uh, it's not supposed to be. That's good. Well, Pat, maybe you could borrow their camera at midweek to do your vlogging thing. Oh, that would be... guys, I got plans. But your your mom's kind of got it down <laughs> at, at your dad's church. I think she's using well, that's her what phone I'm saying. Okay. and she's holding it the whole hour. <laughs> what was so funny about that story is I forgot it was out of the emergency exit. Which I don't know if that's like because of how it would be too loud or like the show far. It, was, it wasn't loud enough. What. I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> I think like my, what I've been doing for church, what our family has been doing is we've been going down to the lake in our neighborhood with a few other families in the, that are just here. And so every Sunday since Easter has been that. So I've almost been like, on the production side of things, like starved of mm. that to the point where I'm, I'm missing it. I'm, I'm like, um, I always, you know, you always know you never want to be at a place where you're completely dependent on it. And if someone, you know, unplug, if someone turns on the microwave and, and everything goes off and you don't have a way <laughs> to connect with people, that's not good. That type of dependency. However, what I've been used to over the past you know, now nine, 10 months has been just a couple songs by the lake, which is what it's been. Yeah. And it's not very exciting. You know, it's not, there's zero hype to it, which has been really beautiful. I think a good, like, little, you know, chiropractic adjustment for the, the soul, even. But mm. it has, it has like, heighten my appreciation even more of like, gosh, but it's so great when you have moments where you're in a room with people and you can feel them. You can hear the music and emotionally feel the music, but in your body, you can like feel the kick and you can like, it's, it's almost brought like a, um, it's swung the pendulum back for me that as long as there's not some weird codependency, gosh, it can be such a beautiful and, truly inspiring thing and actually to the point i have to share this too a few months ago kanye west did his sunday service here at the lake and they 
they set up it was the pictures of him walking on water that was so like controversial yeah <laughs> so we saw like people setting up staging like three inches under the water and you knew what the optical illusion was but it was still inspiring and they were all mic'd up with countrymen's boys well done and the system that they brought in and hid in the trees was so loud that when the choir sang, your your like bones shook. <laughs> and it had been so long since I'd heard that and yeah. felt that. And it, I mean, the whole time I was like on the verge of tears because I, I was like, oh, I miss this. I miss feeling, hearing a voice so loud that it, you know, it shakes you a little bit. And I, um, mm. it's, it's just interesting to feel that switch now, nine months into everything and long for it again and appreciate it even more. Mm. Well, my hope is that churches will use that sort of chiropractic. I love that analogy, that chiropractic adjustment as a way to filter their priorities so that it's not, hey, we have to do this and production in and of itself is, is the end but that it's a means to effectiveness and engagement and connection and the the true heart of the message so that we don't get it as backwards as some places had gotten before. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a good thing um, as we move through. Um, I was going to tell a quick, funny story about that. Not, well, why not? You know, we're nothing serious. Uh, I believe it or not, I'm a, um, a very, very well-skilled djembe player. And uh, uh, Pat and I were leading at his dad's church, but uh, Christmas Eve at his dad's church. And uh, somebody else was playing with us. I forgot this person, but they needed a, an a, a, a audible adjustment in the middle of a song. So they stood up and went back to the booth mid-song, <laughs> made the adjustment. And came back down and sat down because there was no sound person. That <laughs> sound person was also the the player. But Pat and I lost it laughing I so finish. hard. I was crying. I was. We ran so out of the room laughing. His one of his sisters looked at me and made a face, and I couldn't keep it together. And we literally ran like schoolgirls out of the room mid worship. DIY monitors, man. Man. Sometimes you just got to do it. Oh, no, I think it was a house mix. It there was no the monitors. house adjustment. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> it was. That's what was so funny. It wasn't like, oh, my mix. It was like, my voice should be up. So it was like, you walk back to the booth with your wireless mic, you turn your voice up, and then you go back to where you were before. We also, the same same church, uh, Pat's old band Unhindered was playing, and uh, I was mixing. This was the same microwave story. And I heard a BGV I didn't know. Like straight up heard it. And I was just, normally it's Pat's dad because he's so loud. But I look, I look around and the house, my console, which was a Yamaha GA3212, like analog thing, uh, was running into the house, probably Panasonic something. And uh, he had his own wireless mic and he was adding it in. He was just <laughs> singing along. Oh yeah, slowly. Like he was just slowly just. Adding a BGVs in <laughs> on top of my mix. Like I didn't have any control. I respect that because another time we were singing, we were singing, what's that? Oh, give thanks to give the thanks Lord. Thanks to the Lord, a God and King's love and us forever. Sing praise. All of a sudden, from the congregation, a trumpet that someone had brought. We didn't see the trumpet. We didn't see him carried in. It's like, is it an angel? It's like, no, just, just, just a member. <laughs> exactly. Man, I love it. So, uh, all, the same church also has a Star of David straight above you because it used to be a synagogue, but there's LED lights in the Star of David, so we can make the star any color. Hi, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's the same person that put those LEDs under your Jeep. <laughs> Stop. Pat has a remote control for his Jeep, and he can make the floorboard <laughs> and the under the car change to any led color he wants oh I did not, my goodness i did not install that guys because if i would have i should take those leds out and put them in my vlogging office i could get better used to them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yo i bought it like that and i don't know how to turn them off <laughs> it's a it's amazing watching them do it. i know we don't have a ton of ton of time but uh matt you, since you're like a techie and on the road 
you were at one point recording your shows and doing all of that and putting up some, how are you doing that? So my, my latest record, which came out, uh, last March is a hybrid studio live record. And basically we just, um, we just went straight out of ethernet into, uh, a laptop and multi-track recorded our set. Um, my co-producer Mitch Parks, uh, yeah, we would just basically hand Matt Floyd, our front of house guy, a laptop every night with an Ethernet cable. And we'd just go straight out of the console and basically get like a line level mix. And then kind of like a like a traditional kind of way of, um, well, traditional, say over the past 20 years of how a lot of live recordings would get made. And, but what we did was we recorded, We were it's like one of those box tours where we were playing the same songs relatively and so we'd walk off stage and we would immediately go, okay, what's the one song that we felt like, yeah, that was it tonight. And so then we would highlight that song and we, and you know, this tour was like 16 shows and it, we were really trying to capture like uh, eight songs. So by the end of the tour, we had kind of gotten two good takes of each song and, That's and kind of cool. did, yeah. And kind of, you know, kind of did it that way. I, that one of the biggest things for me and learning about in terms of a learning curve during COVID is the ability to multi-track record something and turn around and create a broadcast mix of it, uh, and do that almost in real time. And, uh, yeah, Christian Pascal and I kind of worked on it and we did actually have a plan. One of these days, I think I'm still going to try it. Um, I'm actually, it's funny, like I'm actually trying to sell all that, that broadcast gear now. Cause I, cause that was the thing I realized was I did this. And then I was like, you know, nobody's doing this stuff live because there's too many, when you're recording and filming, there's too many things that could go wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it's even why late night talk shows aren't live be- and, and they're broadcast. You just broke that to Pat. He didn't know. Yeah, could you just? I'm sorry, I blacked out. <laughs> I couldn't hear you through the nosebleed in my heart. Uh, you know, some of that stuff. It's just, it's just so complicated. The idea yeah. of of all those cues and all that stuff happening and going without a hitch. It's really, really difficult. So, so I, I kind of, um, yeah, I think uh, the the live recording the live thing has been fun to me. I think because ultimately it it goes back to you got to you got to do your homework as a player and as a singer as an instrumentalist and um I still love capturing live moments and trying not to go back and fix all the mistakes and fix it and just let it be what it is because that's what people heard and that's what you heard when you were making it and it sounded good then and sometimes we look back on it and we're like, it's not perfect, right? But it's like, it's one of my favorite quotes from Tom Petty. He's like, music isn't supposed to be perfect. So yeah, it, and I think even with worship and like when we're talking about church production, you know, it, it it's supposed to, we want to bring our best because it's like all an opportunity to, in some ways to like be an offering to God, but our best is never good enough. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you Pat, know what I mean? It's not good enough. <laughs> it, it, well, it never, it, it's, it, it can't be perfect because we're not perfect, but, but there's, I think there's a lot of joy and a, and a lot of like a, a good sense of like, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I did my best. I did my best with what I had and, and that's awesome. But, um, you know, Jeff, you were talking about when you were talking about, you know, and Pat, you guys are talking about the adjustment and this is just like historical context, um, nerding out for a second. Uh, there was a book written by an Italian theologian named Romano Guardini. And it's like a, he's like a very traditional, he was a very traditional Catholic and Joseph Ratzinger, who used to be, who was Pope Benedict the 16th wrote a book called spirit of the liturgy. And, but basically it was a book about worship. But one of the things I think is really relevant to this conversation and that that point is that there was a period in, in Europe where like at the end of the 19th century, so this is like the 1800s, opera had become such a production 
and it was over the top. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're figuring out ways to like flood stages and they're like, the, they were using the technology of their day to make the most over top, over the top performance they could. And it started to influence the way that churches thought about church. Hmm. And so churches started making church over the top and they started cranking up the production value with the technology that they had at the time. I mean, they didn't even have elect like electricity, but, um, but out of it came this sort of pendulum swing or this adjustment of like, maybe we need to get back to like, what's most important and make that the focus. And, and then out of that, I think comes this, this sense of appreciation for all the tools that we have at our disposal. And yeah, we absolutely should use them. Like, uh, and I, and like Pat, I really look forward to the day when I'm in a packed room and the loudest thing is, it's funny though, still like when you're in a packed room and the thing you want to hear most of all, is just the sound of people singing together. Hmm, yeah. But, but, um, yeah, I, I long for that and look for that too. Look forward to that. That's really cool. So in that regard, um, what are you guys thinking in terms of what's next? Like in, in terms of getting back to it, um, and for those moments to happen, what's, what's the plan for this year? Do you have dates on the schedule yet? Is it like, okay, summer, we're going to go for it or, you know, what, what are you hearing? I know on my end, Matt, I'm not, I'd be curious to know what your answer to this. I've, I'm really not thinking about anything until maybe the fall. And that's like a big, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's probably a personally, I, there's been something kind of beautiful about being in the same boat as everybody else together. I know there's like the scramble right when everything happened. How can we just like make it work? And I mean, jobs are depending on it. And I mean, so I also understand that. Um, I do think that whenever I don't want to be the, the first one to like, <laughs> to charge that mountain, to be honest. And it's not because yeah. I'm not eager and longing for it and looking forward to it. It's actually more because I'm, it's more of a curiosity to see like, okay, what um, time alone with family at home has been like the, it's been the best year for our family that we've ever had because it's been an obscure one. Like we, my, my daughter has, has said like, dad, I hate the coronavirus, but you've been home a lot. So maybe, maybe it's not all bad. You know what I mean? Like that feeling of tension happening where you, where you realize like, gosh, I was actually doing a lot of touring in order to, you know, this is going to be a broad, pretty blunt statement for me, but feel important, stay busy, you know, feel like everything's moving the needle in some way. And even on that side of things, it's brought me back to a very like centered place where I, man, that whatever does come along, I don't want it to just fill dates and I don't want it to just like, well, I should be doing this in the fall and that's what I need to do. Like, I just want it to feel, I want to feel the yes on it. Like, okay, this tour and this time frame feels like a yes. Busy, frantic traveling, which I, to be honest, I've gotten lost in over the years at certain moments where I'm like, why? I feel like I'm redlining and... And my perspective feels off. And what is it in my soul that if I'm not touring, I feel like I'm not being used by God or whatever it is. Like those things like needed to be looked at this year for me. And I feel like over, over these months, they, they have been, which I've loved. So I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also pretty cautious to be like, okay, when the timing's right, which I have no idea when it is, um, I think I'll feel it the same way the same, uh, the same way, the same healthy way I've been viewing everything else. I'm like, okay, this is, I'm now missing what was like exhausting me before. Yeah. During certain time periods. Yeah. And I think, you know, realistically, you know, Toby's out now with these, what, 18 or so 
tour dates for the Hits Deep thing with awakening events. And so that's going to be kind of a barometer for a lot of people to go, okay, did this go okay? And if a lot of people don't get sick and maybe they crack the door open, you know, maybe there's an opportunity. So that there are some things that are starting to gain some momentum, which have a lot of potential. What about you, Matt? How are you handling the, all that? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right with Pat. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel any sense of urgency right now, uh, to go, to go do this. Um, I think, uh, it's been hard. It's been hard on me. I know it's been hard on my band. Uh, a lot of my folks play for other people. Um, so I know that some of them are getting more work. I hear starting to see ads for tours in the fall. Um, you know, I just think on an infrastructure level, they just, there's things that they need to figure out. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I think some of it's like, I think smaller level, you know, events in churches are probably going to start happening because they're smaller. So there, there's less, um, infrastructure needed. There's less logistical planning, you know, for an event with 300 people as opposed to, um, an NFL game. So those are going to happen. I just don't, feel the need to go rushing out right now because like pat you know this is the longest i've been home in a decade wow and i've been married 10 years last year and i have three kids my oldest is nine you know and he's like said the same thing he's like i don't want you to go out on the road again i was like okay he goes but if you do can you take me with you (laughs) (laughs) exactly so he's like don't quit because i want to go on a bus yeah but, but just don't, don't go without me. So, and we, we started homeschooling two of our kids. We were homeschooling three and the four-year-olds, like he went feral. So we put him back in pre-K. Um, <laughs> uh, it's bad. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I think I, I want to be part of stuff that is um, trying to provide ways for people to be together because i just think that's so important right now isolation is not good for people um physiologically but mentally especially Mm -hmm. uh and so i want to be part of stuff that brings people together but i want to be part of stuff that does that you know with a sense of responsibility for people's safety but also like like for the well-being of my family and so like pat i think i'm i'm taking advantage of the time right now and um you know i think uh yeah i think i think probably there'll be a couple of events in the fall uh that i'll be part of and i but i'm dying i mean i am dying to be to be on a tour i would absolutely you know there's a part of me that would love that um at the same time i i do i do look back on the past 10 years and go wow I don't know if I ever want to go at that pace. Hmm. So I think some of it's like a reevaluation of go, if I work, let me work hard. And if I rest, let me rest as well as I work. That's great. That is good. So good. Well, guys, thanks so much. I want to keep you much longer. I know you guys got, you know, stuff to do songs to write that's got a vlog he's got a vlog to i got a vlog vlog. to make (laughs) i got a vlog to vlog yeah Uh, (laughs) the last thing i wanted to say though matt i listened last night to your the live version of soul on fire i was going yeah you know preparing for this trying to listen to some of y'all's music and i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for not making the drums on a live worship track sound wussy those (laughs) drums are loud and they're massive (laughs) <laughs> so everybody go listen to the soul on fire. Did you purposely go like, no, these drums need to sound huge or did it just come out that way? Uh, no, I mean, I definitely think it was an intention. And I think, you know, Richard Scott, my drummer, um, Mitch, Mitch Parks and Matt Floyd, you know, and this speaks to the, to the quality of a teamwork, you know, great, a really great front of house engineer. Uh, Matt's just so talented and who had a real vision for our sound live. And Mitch, who as a, as a MD music director, as a keyboard player, as a producer, you know, we kind of talked about the song and like, what's the energy of the song. So I think that's one of the things just like, as your as church teams are coming back together, when you're thinking about, you know, when you think about a song, instead of just sort of, okay, everybody do your thing, go like, what's the thing, 
what's the what's one of like what's the foundation here mm. rhythmically or musically that we want to communicate and that i think with that one it was definitely like the drums were kind of like we were like yeah we're just going to let that drive the whole thing yeah well it sounds fantastic no really thank does. you uh, will there be a show far on your next record on every track <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, well no it's because it doesn't work you can't da, hear it da, da, so. da, da, da. <laughs> um we need to post that video on our mxu story for the people at home to hear we can do I that i think that's a great idea yeah i'm so happy about this <laughs> you're gonna be just, um, <laughs> i tried to call your dad the other day by the way and he didn't answer um probably because he was on his moped i literally was on the phone with him right before this i was like dad i have to go i'm getting on this call and it was, it's very, once you get him on the phone, it's hard to, hard well, to he has, hang out. He, had a, he has a flip phone and he sticks it in his helmet while he's running his moped. <laughs> well, it's his, it's his Bluetooth, guys. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's his countryman. That's it's, amazing. I love it. I it's love it. All well, right, thanks, fellas. Y'all. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. Well, that was awesome. It's always uh, fun when. We have so much laughing on the podcast. I feel like those are the best episodes. And Absolutely. Man, Pat Barrett is hilarious, and so is Matt. Those guys are awesome. Great. And Matt is just a wealth of wisdom. Who knew that we would be talking about um, early 19th century theologians on the MXU podcast? No joke. I love it. Also, I'm going to Pat's Lake this Sunday, and I'm going to hide a hazer in the bushes and see if, <laughs> see if I can bring some more excitement to his church service. I love it. That'd be great. He'd like it. Awesome. All right, fellas. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been a good, good podcast, and I really love hanging out with the two of you. So let's do it again soon. Uh, let's do it next week. See you then.